0: But I didn't realise quite how much fruit you've got to stuff into a bit <laughs> to make it fruity. Yeah, I remember this, the beer that we made had, like, 1.2 tonnes of mango puree in it that was added by hand. And on that day, I was like, well, that's how much mango you need to shove in a bit. Like, Isn't Wow.
1: Hello and welcome to We Are Beer People, a podcast all about the many different people who help us enjoy beer. I'm your host Rob Cadwell and I reckon if you're listening to this then there's a good chance that you are one of the beer people too. You might be involved in the world of beer, you may want to find out more about the industry or perhaps you simply enjoy drinking the stuff. So join me now as I have a chat with one of the beer people. Today we're in Staines and we're chatting with Hayley Pierce, shift brewer at Siren Craft Brew. And this is part two of a two-part episode. In the first part, we focus mainly on Fuller's and the earlier part of Hayley's career, whilst this second part picks up when Hayley joins Siren Craft Brew. So if you're joining in the second part and haven't yet listened to the first part, I'd recommend starting with that. But for now, join us as we have a chat with one of the beer people. So you went from then the pilot kit at Fuller's and you went to Siren. Um, What was the reason then for heading over to to Siren?
0: Um, So um, I was really, really enjoying running the pilot kit. Um, I got to do loads of collaborations. It was really sort of inventive, creative. Hands on all the, the things I really wanted, and I was learning so much. Um, you know, it was the first time that I'd really been able to make recipes for myself, um, that kind of thing. Um, but when Asahi bought Fullers, although they didn't want to change Fullers in itself, the visions for the pilot brewery weren't the same as Fullers. So until they could figure out what exactly they wanted to do with the Pilot Brewery, they essentially closed it. Um, So that meant I was a shift brewer again. And when you go from, like, running your own little brewery and having all of this freedom, even with the stresses that came with it, to going back to essentially sort of making the same beers over and over and over, it just started to feel like i wasn't learning and i i don't like feeling like that um i'm always inspired by what can i learn next what's around the corner what's the new technique that somebody can show me Mm -hmm. so to to do the same thing day in day out although i i love fellas and i still do i absolutely love that brewery the job itself wasn't making me grow as a person so I sort of thought, okay, I think I'm ready for a move. I want it to be more like being in the Pilot Brewery, but I'd also like to be in a team because as much as I enjoyed the Pilot Brewery, when I was doing collaborations and it was like there was a little team of us, I enjoyed that the most. So I, I looked around for ages because I wasn't going to leave Fuller for any old thing. Mm-hmm. It had to be the right thing. It had to be worth it. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. Especially as, by this point, we'd gone into sort of COVID time. Uh, Of course, yeah. Yeah, so...
1: Just to add that in as well to the mix.
0: Yeah, Yeah. so I wasn't going to leave job security and everything that I knew for something that might be a complete mistake. Um, So after quite a while, I saw that Siren were advertising for a shift brewer. And I hadn't ever been to Siren, but I knew quite a bit about them. So I knew Sean, the head brewer. I'd actually met him at Fuller's because we'd done um, the Fuller's and Friends together. Oh, of course, yeah. So although um, I wasn't paired with his brewery, a lot of the sort of people that didn't actually do the brewing were paired with other breweries. So if it was one of their brews. The brewers still brewed it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So even though it, it wasn't that brew, I'd still met him by going through that, that whole thing. So I knew that he was nice and inspirational and um, had a lot that he could teach me. I knew that Siren were doing a lot of new beers. So I knew that the year before I joined, they'd done like 100 new beers in a year. Which for me was just completely unheard of. Yeah,
1: that's a big um, that's a rate of new beers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, every two, three, two, two, yeah,
0: yeah, just crazy. Because um, you know, at Fuller's you might do one new beer a month, it's like a like a monthly special, that kind of thing, and that was like big, kind of oh something new. Yeah. So to do two a week was just. In my mind, mind blew, like, how can they do this? How do they have so many ideas? This is not doable. Yeah,
1: and probably <laughs> like, the range of beers that Sir yeah. i are working with is much bigger than, uh, yeah. you know, a traditional family brewer's range of recipes.
0: Exactly, yeah. Although at that point I hadn't been to see it, I'd read things about bits of kit that they had. People had mentioned things like the spin bot. I was like, <laughs> what is this spin bot thing? And the other thing for me was, in COVID times breweries were going under but they weren't they were they were doing well so thinking well that takes something to be not a massive brewery, medium and to not be suffering to be somehow making their way through it and making the best of it so i thought you know what i'm gonna give this a go um and i applied for the job um but sort of thought I probably wouldn't get it because I think in my mind I didn't know the experience of brewers within the area and, well, you know, who would apply. But I I think I just assumed that because I only had, like, the one brewery's worth of experience, that other people would have loads of different stuff and, and so they would pick the, those people.
1: It's funny how our brains do that, isn't it? You can be, like, super qualified and, like, have all this really relevant experience, but your brain goes, oh, no, it won't be you. Yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I was, like, thinking they probably won't. There'll be, be probably a good few people that... Mm. I've got loads of experience from loads of different breweries. But when they interviewed me, I remember after the interview thinking, wait, hang on, i barely answered any questions about myself. This was more like some sort of Fuller's fact-finding mission. <laughs> like, it was really weird. They were so keen to find out, and so, and what do you do, like, day-to-day? And what's it like? And, and all of, the, you know, and what's the brew like? And, blah, blah, blah. and so I sort of got to the end of the interview thinking... Wait, I've not answered any of the, like, you know, what are your strengths? Yeah. What are your, I've not answered any of those. They haven't asked me anything. They've just asked me all about what I do. Um, but then I realized, actually, if you really are interested in, is somebody going to be able to pick this job up and do it? Then of course they ask you about what you actually do day to day. Yeah. What your experience really is. Not, you know, if you could be an animal what would you be. <laughs> that doesn't actually help anyone, you know. Why do interviewers even ask that question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, luckily got the job and it wasn't long till I started. And yeah, but it was just totally different totally different the the feel of the place so you know fullers is i think a lot of people at fullers you've probably heard this before you have that feeling of like you're standing on the shoulders of giants you heard that before it's a it really feels that way like as though somehow you can't do anything wrong because you're already at the top of a mountain where you you know everything's awesome somehow you haven't really had to try very hard you, somebody has thrust you up to the top and you're just like doing as you're told and that's and it does the perfect job every time to then be thrust into this completely different environment where the person that's been there the longest had only been there seven years so I'd been a brewer for like longer than you know Siren existed So I was like, "Yeah,
1: says it all."
0: (laughs) Yeah, everyone was sort of so relatively new to it to Siren anyway. Obviously, they had their backstories and previous roles and stuff, but it was so refreshing. There was nobody. It was weird because at Fuller's, I was one of the youngest, even when I left, and when I joined Siren, I was one of the oldest. (laughs) So that was like a sudden, like, "Whoa." It's like young people,
1: <laughs> crazy, yeah,
0: yeah, um, and not like just a bit younger, like ten years younger. So I was like, "Wow, this is actually really cool." Like, I've actually got knowledge and experience I can pass to other people rather than just constantly trying to, you know, soak stuff up. Um, so that was that was really nice. Um, but yeah, the atmosphere, like there was music on. Like, I, I, I went in. And the music was blasting through the brewery. And I was like, whoa, how can you even hear each other? This, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, but it just gives that atmosphere of, like, everyone's friendly and chatting and having a laugh. A and... more of
1: a party, isn't it yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And it is, and it's like you're just hanging out with your mates and, you know, you just happen to make beer on the side. Yeah. But having a laugh the whole time.
1: That's cool. Who's deciding the playlist for, for that?
0: Oh, so this is the thing. Whoever is on the brew deck gets to
1: choose what's on the sound system. So they're the DJ. Yeah,
0: Yeah. exactly. And we all have completely different tastes. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. The only thing that everybody has in common is that when I'm on the brew deck, they're like, oh no, oh, it's her again. Oh, she's got that horrible music. <laughs> because I have the worst taste.
1: What are you famous for then?
0: Um, basically just like 90s cheesy pop. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, like I love it. I love the music that I can just sing along to without having to think about it. Um, because it's almost... Um, Rhythmic with the brewing. Yeah. You know, once you're used to the brewing and you've got the music on that your brain just naturally sings to, you can just sort of do both. Whereas um, if somebody else's music's on while well, I'm trying to do something, I find it quite jarring. Yeah. You is, know, like, yeah. you kind of find yourself thinking, what, what was that lyric? What did she just say? Or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but everyone's different. You, you'd have anything from like my cheesy rubbish to like metal um, throat music. But I mean, what, <laughs> I had no idea that was even yeah. a thing. Yeah, but I just came into the brewery one day, and there's just all these like.
1: What is? This? The machine needs all your name. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that. I can't even. I can't even remember what the other music is called sometimes I just don't class it as music oh, <laughs> it just sounds like shouting <laughs> or something to me I don't know what it is oh no, fair enough um but yeah
1: it's whoever is on the brooder that's right it's not like is. picked on if you bring a stout doing some darker music no like no like no sessions or
0: um no but I do have a belief that it's really important uh, like what music you're playing when you're brewing um it wasn't me that came up with this. One of my favourite brewers told me once um, that it's really, really important that you play the right music to the beer because that's what will make the beer happy and it will brew correctly <laughs> if you play it the right beer, and the right music. So, um, yeah, I don't... I mean, I can't be sure that the beer likes 90s cheesy pot, but it comes out right. So, you know. I think that's Maybe it does. That. I think yeah. that's
1: it. It makes you happy. Yeah. So you make better beer. Yeah. So Prince Charles, King Charles, as he now is, he was talking to plants to make them yeah. healthier and happier and everything like that. That's and, it, uh, yeah. You know, but I think there's something in there.
0: Yeah. It. I, I think it,
1: it like... just boosts the morale of uh, everyone brewing, doesn't it? Depending <laughs> yeah. on whose whose music it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, and your singing voice. Yeah,
1: you have to record that on the brew sheet, though, of what uh, track oh, what was, was playing. playing?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> see, um... see if that had
1: a, any effect on the <laughs> outcome.
0: I've never actually thought of doing that. Maybe I will see if it changes the um, the beers.
1: What were the differences that you saw? Uh, between Fuller's and Siren, I'm sure there are many, but what were um, the key ones that like stuck out for you?
0: I guess um obviously there's there's the the things like size and stuff like that. But there was just um mentality differences that I wasn't expecting. I just sort of thought all breweries would run the same, like to time and and strictly and you know, that sort of thing. Um and I remember um, on my first day, um, obviously being struck by the music first and thinking, okay, that's not quite the same. Um, but also, um, I remember at one point, um, Sean was showing me like how the day was run and things. And one of the brewers... He was in the office, but he came, like, running out from the office. And um, he was just, like, shouting at the top of his voice. I couldn't even make out what he was saying. And both me and Sean were thinking, oh, my God, something's, like, gone terribly wrong. And he he ran over to the brew deck, and I'm thinking, what is he telling this brewer? It, It must be that, you know, something's going wrong and he has to stop or something. And Sean was saying, like, oh what's wrong? Like, why are you shouting? And he's like, oh no, nothing's wrong. Like, okay, well, what are you shouting about? What's going on? And he's like, oh, the sandwich man's here. I don't want him to miss the sandwich man. So, it was just like, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, um, it was a totally different way of working. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, they have um, a WhatsApp group that's, you know, like, it'll come up in your WhatsApp group, Sandwich Man, like, you know, and stuff like that. i yeah, shouting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or, like, when the Ice Cream Man comes or something, it's like, Ice Cream Man, and, you know, stuff like that. All the
1: work stops.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's that kind of thing. The atmo- atmosphere is different. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the beer is thought about is different because you haven't got... Um, fixed ways of doing stuff it's a constant learning cycle for all of us Um, and it might be that we are learning from Sean or some of the brewers are learning from other brewers depending on what experience we've got or we're collaborating and we're learning from that brewery or somebody somewhere in the world come up with a new technique and they've done a podcast about it and it's like oh I listen to this podcast and this guy's doing this, so yeah, let's try it and you know that kind That's of thing. Cool, yeah. yeah, there's
1: a bit more innovation. Sort Lose, of yeah. Around there. yeah, yeah. You're not sort of bound by being on the shoulders of giants. Well, exactly,
0: much. yeah. There isn't as much expectation that all your beers should be the same. It's actually more of an expectation that all beers should be different, but somehow. Siren-y. Yeah, but, and you know.
1: commercial. You've still got to be able to sell yeah. the beer.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. As long as you
1: can fit it within that framework.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so there's a lot more sort of excitement around what are the beers and what are we putting in this one and all of the different ingredients and things like that. Like, I remember the first time um, that I made a, a beer with fruit in it at Siren um, and I hadn't done that at Fuller's. And... I drunk beers with fruit in, mm-hmm. but I didn't realise quite how much fruit you have got to stuff into a beer to make it fruity, and yeah, I, I was part of this day of adding all this mango to a beer, and it just was like never ending, just this constant trail of people with like we have like a twenty kilo like bags of mango puree. And it was just constant, like...
1: Shovel it in. Just keep in, yeah. going, keep going, <laughs> wow. yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember this? the beer that we made had, like, 1.2 tonnes of mango puree in it that was added by hand. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And on that day, I was like... Yeah well, that's how much mango you need to shove in a beer. Until then, you don't
1: ever know. But, like, at what point did they work out it was 1.2 tonnes and, like, half of that Well, because
0: they'd learnt from somebody else. (laughs) So this is the thing. So the first time they did that beer, it was a collaboration with somebody that had done that before. And so that's where that that kind of brewing is different Um, and you get to see the friendliness of the industry so much more because... Everybody just works together all of the time. Like, of course breweries are technically competitors, but the brewers within the breweries are not. We are not competitors with each other. We are all friends. And we just like to chat about beer yeah. and make good beer and figure out how that guy did something cool. And and if you do something cool, you're not like my secret, yeah. you know. <laughs> my pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people are like Shouting it from the rooftop like i've done this yeah. you know and so you, you will easily sort of learn about something and it's like um, that we recently brewed some of our like very first no and low alcohol beers we 'd never done that before we didn't know what we were doing, but um, just like through collaboration you you learn and like I think it's amazing how people can sometimes spend years perfecting new techniques for stuff but then... They'll quite happily come to your brewery and go, Oh well this is how I do it. Yeah, and, are, these you know. are the exact
1: steps I follow yeah. and the reasons why yeah, yeah. Yeah. there's no like concerns about I'm sure there are areas they protect, but there's no concerns generally about like intellectual property. No. You might have it on a from another brewery.
0: No, and it's amazing. It's like people share magic tricks with you or something. Yeah. <laughs> Especially
1: it's, with alcohol free beer, because yeah, there's such exactly. a art and a science, obviously, but uh, yeah. to making a really good one of those that you're really happy to have as a as part of your evening as an alternative those sorts of things yeah um exactly. and we all know the beers you have and we won't name them but where well, they don't taste like that <laughs> and it's not like a yeah not a good experience
0: no exactly yeah so we did our first two um low alcohol beers um through collaboration Is that with mash gang yeah with yeah. mash gang exactly yeah and the amount that you can learn basically in two days the, you know, one day for each brew. Yeah, it was incredible, and and I think the thing is, it's like it's the passion that comes from people that have perfected these things. It it just exudes out of them. Yeah, and you can't help but just be sort of in awe of them, just listening. Like, oh, give me all of your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that yeah,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but they don't mind at all. And I think that's one of the things I love about other brewers. Often they either don't realise quite how much knowledge they have that they can give to others, or they're just so humble that, you know, and, and, and they just, yeah, they, they don't mind. They, they will just tell you anything. And it's so.
1: It's a lovely place to be I thing. I might flip that around to you, though, because you must have brought some uh, knowledge and skills and experience from Fuller's to Siren that's probably yeah. able to be put to really good use there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, before I joined... Uh, siren hadn't really done many sort of more traditional styles i'd say they were more known for their ipas and the stouts that kind of thing definitely the stouts Mm. but when i joined one of the first beers that i i worked on and was part of the recipe on was an esb Perfect. so yeah (laughs) so obviously i knew what i was doing but it was, a, it was, of course, a siren twist. So it was a coffee ESB, because um, they were doing a project. Um, it was called the Barista Project. Um, and they made several different beers to show how coffee could be used to make variety of different beers, not just ours, for example. Um, so going on from that... Um, Siren then bought their own pub so the first ever pub and they were selling somebody else's bitter because we didn't have one and although I can't take credit for the whole recipe I had my involvement within the recipe for Siren's first ever bitter that then we got into the pub and now we don't have to use somebody else's yeah beer. you've so, to have yeah. a bitter
1: in a, Yeah. not you like people expect that
0: well exactly yeah. and the thing is whenever I'm in a pub like that if it's not sort of like here obviously everyone would always just say oh can I have a pride because that's the obvious beer that you would pick a lot of people don't actually ask for the branded beer they'll just say can I have a bitter and so it wouldn't, in that case, matter if you were giving them some a bitter you'd had to buy or one you were brewing. So it might, might as well, well be one. out when yeah, yeah. you've done. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, but I actually really like our bitter. So yeah, memento if you ever want to try it.
1: I hope you're enjoying our chat. And if you like what you're hearing, there are a few things you can do that really help us out and help other people find the podcast. Follow or subscribe to We Are Beer People wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review or rating or share the episode on your socials or even in actual real life. And if you want to stay up to date with all things We Are Beer People, you can visit our website at wearebeerpeople.co.uk where you can sign up for a monthly newsletter. And you can follow us on social media at We Are beer People. And if you have any questions or comments or want to hear from any beer people, then pop me a message. Now, back to the podcast. And what would, um, I guess, a typical days or weeks kind of brewing look like for you nowadays?
0: Um, a week in brewing. So it's shifts, again, similar to Fuller's, but the um, shift hours are slightly different. Um, but you've still got an early brewer and a late brewer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they, they just have the one mash tun and one kettle so, no party guiling or anything like that. Um, but they have a three tank system. So, this was another thing I had to get used to. So, where Fuller's had what they call a copper whirlpool, um, Siren have got a kettle and a separate whirlpool. Um, and that helps with like hop additions and stuff like that because you can go from the kettle via a heat exchanger, cool the work down and then add the hops at a cooler temperature so you get less bitterness from those hops and more aroma. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really cool technique that you couldn't really do, like at Fuller's, for example. So in a day, you'd start off the same in that you start off by mashing in. Um, for three of the days, we do... Th- three mashes a day and for two of the days you'd either do two mashes or a mash and a clean yeah. um, so the the early brewer actually will actually mash in all three beers so they'll mash in the first one run that all the way through the kit into the FB meanwhile they halfway through that process will have started mashing in the second brew so They'll be looking after the, the first beer in the kettle, meanwhile mashing in the second beer into the mash tun. Um, they'll move the first beer from the kettle to the whirlpool and into the fv. meanwhile moving the second beer into the kettle. Um, once that's in the kettle, start mashing in the third beer, and at that point, that's when the late brewer turns up. Um, and you go, phew, and <laughs> hand it all over.
1: Yeah. Um, Being a flight controller, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Stay, uh, that's parked there for now, but I obviously need to bring that out.
0: It's a, yeah, it's a lot, especially because the kit's sort of half manual, half automated, mm. um, and the brew deck itself is up some steps, and all of the pipe works underneath um, the deck. So when I was first learning... I couldn't get my head around where all the pipe work went from yeah. <laughs> all of the different tasks.
1: Just a jumbo of spaghetti. Yeah,
0: like, yeah, yeah, just loads of pipe work. I'm just sort of like, oh They my could have made God. it really
1: simple, but they've just filled <laughs>
0: yeah, it. <laughs> just yeah, it really I, yeah. <laughs> they just made it do loop-de-loop <laughs> yeah. for a laugh. Yeah.
1: This one just connects back to itself. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so you'd be balancing all of those processes, but also doing things like... Cleaning the heat ex, pitching the yeast. So if you're if you're doing three different brews, the early brewer would pitch the first brew, and the late brewer would pitch the second two brews. Um, but then also you've got in between that you've got to dig out the mash tun. So the early brewer would to, do two of the digging out the mash tun, often with the help of a brewery assistant, thankfully, because. <laughs> um, If you've got, you know, one brew boiling away in the kettle and a few other processes going on and you've also then got to mash out, which is sort of not completely manual, there's an arm that pushes the mash out of the door. But you've still got to... um, dig the mash sort of into the back of a skip okay, you can't yeah, just yeah. allow it to drop in because it'll just drop in one pile and then overflow Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and it takes about three skips worth to idea. empty the mash tun so then you've got to get on the forks and take the skip outside and, yeah so you've
1: got to be you know, supervising it as well yeah and
0: yeah. em- empty it into the farmer's trailer so there's loads of things going on and then at the same time you've got to be milling in the next brew so yeah it's In a similar way to Fuller's, where you've got all of these things in your head at the same time, it's like that, it's just that the the processes that you are involved in as a brewer are spread out more. So, you know, at Fuller's you wouldn't be milling and pitching yeast and brewing and mashing out. (laughs) You know, you'd be concentrating on the brew. So that, for me, was quite, like my gosh, how am I going to be in all of these places all at the same time? But yeah, you get used to that. Um, and then the late brew carries on from there. No. So you've got to um, do the last brew, get that into the FV, and then do the cleans and that sort of thing. And you do, you do it on rotation. So you would do, say, a week of early brewing and then a week of early cellar. Yep then a week of late brewing then a week of late cellar and rotate okay yeah and so there's four brewers and we all rotate around those different shifts I remember at first it seemed like it took so long to get back to the original shift that you were on that I felt like I'd forgot what I was doing (laughs) (laughs) because it was kind of almost like a month in between.
1: You're doing totally different things in those sort of week
0: by week, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So it kind of took me quite a while to understand what I was doing because I was doing something different each week. So, yeah, the other side of it is doing the cellaring which again is different because at Fuller's, the brewers did the brew and you had operators that did the cellaring. So it's totally different jobs, whereas at Siren, it's all either done by a brewer or an assistant. So it's really, really varied, which is good because I think it stops you from getting into a rut or a, or a routine
1: yeah definitely you mentioned you obviously like your happy places learning and developing yeah. and all that so if you can yeah. be doing that i guess at a comfortable pace so it's not like overwhelming i think that's a really good thing to do
0: yeah and sometimes you can get into just the right pattern of shifts where you brew the beer then you follow it through fermentation. Oh. <laughs> then you centrifuge that beer, yeah. and then you f- and you follow it through till it gets packaged. So then, yeah. So it's really sort of quite yeah thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. You sort of see it at the end, and um, especially if it's a beer that you're really keen to see. Oh, what did it turn out like? Um, at Siren, one of the things that's really unique about them is the way that they run the centrifuge. So um, where some breweries will have specifications for the centrifuge. So this beer, run it at this speed, this many hectolitres an hour, and that's just fixed. It isn't done like that at Siren. Because so many of the beers are like a one-off beer, the centrifuge is run by taste. So yeah. 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 So you start doing the transfer... First of all, do all your checks to make sure you're not um, like getting oxygen pickup or anything like that. So make sure the beer's good, like safe. And then you basically just get your pint glass out and start trying it.
1: <laughs> so, it, yeah.
0: yeah. So, you'll take um, with others, um, so you know, you might get the head brewer, or you might get the team lead, mm-hmm. another brewer, other people to come over and you'll all try this beer together. And you, you start at, say, 50 hectolitres an hour and then you start speeding up and you taste and smell what the what the differences are mm-hmm. in that beer as you're going quicker so it might be that if you're doing some sort of east coast IPA you you might get more soft fruity notes through and it's it might taste you might have a nicer mouth feel as you speed up so you you might choose a faster speed. But it might be for a West Coast that you want that real crisp clarity and, and as you speed up, it's a bit cloudy, so you go slower again. Yeah. And, you know, so, so stuff like that. And it's, Or, you know, with a stout, you might want more mouthfeel. So you might go faster.
1: Is that the main effect, or of a centrifuge, just to get rid of the particulates and stuff inside it? And that could be hops or yeast or
0: adjuncts um, and stuff. Yeah, so definitely to take out yeast, because you you don't want to be getting yeast in the tins, in the cans. But also, yeah, to take out particulate hops that are still floating around in there. Nobody really wants to drink a tin and have bits of hop in it. So, of course, you have to make sure that you're hitting specifications of clarity and things like that. You can't just, like, go wild (laughs) and, like, let any old thing through. But within the boundaries of what is this style of beer and what are Siren's sort of specifications as far as, like, making the beer clean. Yeah. Within that, there's a lot of scope for um well at this speed it's softer but at this speed it's more bitter and at this speed i'm getting more f- fruit through and at this speed i can taste more coffee and look all sorts of different it, things yeah. yeah you tell um, how
1: brewers would love it as well because it's another dial you can yeah, sort of play around with yeah, isn't yeah, it, exactly go... yeah is that what the spin bot is? Is a centrifuge or is that something else no, entirely? No,
0: no, so the spin, that's right. spin so bot. This was the
1: centrifuge. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah so that's the yeah. centrifuge. The yeah. spin bot is um, a whole different beast. It's yeah. really cool. The spin bot gets connected to an FE, um, and essentially you it's like a mini tank. Um, and you can put not anything in there, but And anything that you would want to impart flavour into the beer, you can put into the spin box. So that might be cacao nibs, it might be wooden spirals from barrels, it could be vanilla pods, all sorts of things, chilies, you know, anything where you think that could impart a nice flavour into the beer you could find a way to put it within the spin box so it might be in like a filter bag that you put the ingredients in and then tie up at the top and tie to the inside of the spin box so that it's sort of hanging in the the, yeah yeah. or you might just there's, there's sort of um a false bottom mm-hmm. in the spin box so you could you can just put stuff on it. Yep. So like the spirals you can just throw yeah, loads in. in. Yep. Yeah. And we use all sorts of different wooden spirals depending on what kind of flavour we're going for. Or, you know, it might be coffee beans. Loads of stuff. Right. And yeah, and then you connect like with hoses to the FE. The beer comes out the fe through tangential inputs to the spin bot, essentially sort of spins around the ingredients that are in there and then goes back out the spin bot into the FE. And that process is on continuously. So there's a pump pumping it continuously. So the idea is that um, where you might say soak... Um, something within a beer or put a beer in a barrel or something like that, you're getting the same sort of effect, but quickly.
1: Yeah. Because You're maximising the contacts. That's, that's it, contact time. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, and the more that you're able to keep refreshing the beer that's getting into contact with all of these different ingredients, the more that you're extracting those flavours and getting that into the beer but it's also a lot more controllable because you can continuously taste the beer.
1: You can never go back on that, can you? See? Yeah, you
0: can't go back.
1: So you, you never. Yeah. yeah, you need to sort of do that gingerly. But that's. that's yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: You practice it a lot, and Sean's really good at it because he's obviously done it a lot now, um, and so he's teaching us. And he'll often be um, tasting whichever tank's connected to the spin bot, and he'll say, "Oh, come and taste this. What do you think of this? Oh, can you taste the wood? Can you taste this?" and Gets quite excited about, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, this is right now, yep, we're going to... They call it pushing it back, push the spin bot back. It's... um essentially where you push all of the beer that's currently in the spinbot back into the effie. Got you. Yeah. Um, and, and that's like the end of the process and then it's take all of the ingredients out the spin spinbot clean it and stuff yeah um but i try to rescue quite a lot of it <laughs> <laughs> so especially like the wooden spirals so these these spirals might be say from a whiskey barrel for example, then then they've been soaked in one of our stouts or something like that, and then so then they're like, they're like actually really interesting in themselves. So I'll take a bag of them home, and um, so I have a smoker at home. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, so I <laughs> See use where this is going. yeah I use the spirals yeah. Yeah. To, to as my smoking wood. Yeah, um, and one of my favourite things to do is when. So you, you know we make Caribbean chocolate cake. One of the iterations of that was called mole, so it was like had chilies in it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I took the wooden spirals out of the spinbot. Once we made that beer, I took the chilies that had been in the spin spinbot with that beer. I took cans of that beer. I got a nice fresh brisket from the butcher smoked the brisket with the spirals and then put that brisket with the chilies that had been soaked in the beer and a tin of the beer and made a massive big chili with it and it was like... it
1: really incredible, yeah. Oh, it was the
0: best chilli I've ever had. Yeah. And I was just... Every time I ate it, it was just like, I wish I'd made, like...
1: Yeah, gallons of chilli. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah.
1: You definitely made everyone very hungry. Who's listening to this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hope people
0: aren't yeah. listening to this uh, at, like... You brought spirals, centipede. right, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Hoping they can just yeah. go home and eat dinner quick. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, brilliant. That's really cool. And um, that made me think, so you've recently done Siren's kind of maiden blending as well?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... As we talk now, it was last week. Yeah. Um, And um, I've only actually done it once before because it's normally the week that they plan it in is normally the same day as my husband's birthday. (laughs) So I kept missing it because I kept being off because we'd like go on holiday or something. But this year they put it a week earlier. So I was able to go. And it doesn't an experience like no other. The amount of really strong, like, you know, well, it's barley wine, yeah. you know, that you're drinking in the day, starting at half ten in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mad. Um, but I'll tell you what got me this time was um, when we were comparing how does the beer smell to how does it taste. And as we went through... Um, different barrels of beer that had been matured for different amounts of time there's some of the smells that you would get from it so I remember one of them I'd, I smelled it and I was just like oh it smells like chocolate this is amazing They're like this smells so good and everyone else is smelling oh yeah chocolate and the idea was like you would go through different samples of beer and write down which ones were your favourites so I started writing down like yeah great chocolate brilliant I want this in my blend kind of thing but then when we tasted it, no chocolate, totally different. did wow. yeah. But that happened quite often. You would smell it and get certain notes, especially if it was, you'd get like sort of notes of the barrel or of whatever liquor that had been in that barrel. But when you drank it, it was a totally different experience. Mm. And I think... Some of the barrels complement what the beer already tastes like and almost just bring those flavours out more. But some of the barrels... um, So, for example, for me, some of the tequila barrels made the beer taste so different to what its original state was. That you, in one respect you thought well how is this going to work as a blend it doesn't taste like maiden mm. but those are the beers or blends barrels that um, that give each maiden such a unique taste because it might be that the maiden comes from six different types of barrels and the fact that you've got one in there that's got that slight tweak of an odd like tequila taste or something yeah, yeah. that really makes it zing or pop. So it was that that was like really, really interesting. So it's really yeah. cool. It's
1: kind of like the think of the grain bill that goes in. Yeah. You might have like 80%, I don't know, 70, 80% is like just pale mold. Yeah. And it's, you're not going to add in, you know, 90% of chocolate mold or anything like that, are you? Yeah.
0: Exactly. But
1: if you didn't have that in certain beers, like you wouldn't it wouldn't be a London Pride for instance
0: yeah that's it so um, it's always a really interesting day um Especially because you work in teams and you're all like the whole company gets
1: involved. Yeah. So. It's almost like an away day. At, yeah,
0: it is an away <laughs> day on, at on work. A working day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just just an excuse to drink loads of barley wine.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm guessing there's no brewing taking place on that day.
0: No, no brewing takes place on that <laughs> That's day. Right, it's a nice day. We, we do start a bit early and do some cellaring, but we yeah. don't brew. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. So you. So on my table, for example, um, there was me. Um, there was the lady that works in the lab. We had some guests. There was like people from sales, marketing, finance. So everybody just gets kind of, and it's done on purpose. Every table, our team is like that.
1: It's got a nice it's, spread. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No group thing happening there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you all sort of, I suppose, see the beer in a different way. And, yeah, just to have that day where everybody mingles together, especially because, you know, teams change over the years and you might not have got a chance to speak to that person that works in a different department to you. So getting to know them and stuff, it's, I think, as much about the social aspect of Siren as a huge family team. As it is about making this blend,
1: it's such a big thing though. It's so maiden just going back. It was the first beer that Siren ever brewed.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, Yeah. and now you brew it every year, so it's a real tradition thing, and something that is being built year on year on year, where you're able to take different blends and see what's happened in the barrels, what magic has taken place, and where you're going to go this year. And I guess you don't know until you do that blending session what this year's going to be like.
0: So. No, you're exactly right. So it was the first beer that Siren ever brewed, which I think just shows you what Siren are at their core. You know, they didn't sort of go, right, you know what, let's start with an IPA they so were like no we're going to smack in this like massive barley wine and also we're going to store loads of it in barrels and not even sell it straight from the
1: off yeah, yeah make yeah. a really big really big gamble in a way isn't it yeah, go, it's a massive right we're going as a brewery starting out we're going to be here in a year and two years and three years to, yeah. to sell it again
0: that's it yeah. it's a massive gamble but it was done on purpose to show you know we are here mm. to to take the risk that other people might not take and to strive forward in ways that other people might not. And and that first beer was, you know, showed that. Um, so now, coming in, you know, partway through Siren's story and being able to work with the beers in barrels that, you know, their brewers at the beginning brewed is quite magical, to be honest. So good, yeah. Because especially they do... Um, this Solero effect where they never empty a barrel.
1: Sort of pour in, pour out, isn't it? So yeah, You've so constantly got some of the original, almost like yeah. a mother dough or
0: exactly. sourdough yeah, or yeah. something. Sort of exactly. So you know that each of those barrels has the a original. little tiny bit of the original brew in it, which is special. Yeah, so, really lovely, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, you talked earlier about the uh, being in a place where there were people younger than you. Yeah. And then that being <laughs> a new experience. And you talked to, as well about you sort of wanting to learn and develop. Have you also like looked at learning and developing other people as well and helping pass on some of your wisdom over the years?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. So um, one of our um, brewery assistants um, just recently did his um, brewing certificate. And so um, I still have my notes yeah. from my certificate, and so... Um, you know, I was able to sort of lend him a hand and um, lend him the, the notes and if he had questions, you know, take him through different things. So that was actually really, really nice to be in that position where you you know, I don't know everything. No brewer does. <laughs> but to know enough that you can instill that knowledge into somebody else is so rewarding to to make that loop is in some ways makes it even more worthwhile that you that you've done it because you're opening up avenues for somebody else to then either follow in similar footsteps to you or go off and do their own thing but you know with your sort of nudge. Yeah. So yeah, it sort of feels similar to how other people nudged me along. Now I can nudge others along and, you know, encourage them and stuff. So I think you're nudging
1: people along, but um, from the sounds of what you're saying and the uh, Brewers Congress, you're also opening the doors for people as well and helping to make it easier uh, for people to come into brewing.
0: Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think. I think I probably see differently to how people have traditionally seen brewing, and brewing has been done the same for centuries it has always been a manual job and for me although I would not want to take away from that sense of the closeness to the ingredients and and that manual side of it because that's what's fun about brewing I do think that in order to let more people into the industry and to open it up to people that aren't weightlifters you need to move with the times in some respects so for me as I was getting into brewing because I sort of came at it backwards I was so far invested and into wanting to be a brewer by the time I got to the things that were difficult, that I was just determined to overcome it anyway. So when I got to the point where I needed to somehow learn how to lift 25 kilo sacks over and over and over again, I found it really, really, really hard. But it was like, I've got to get through this. I will not... I've gone through all of these years of what I've done so far and the education and the effort and everything that I've put into it to be knocked down by a 25 kilo sack. You know, like, that, this will not happen. I will somehow get through this. And I had some, like, professional training in manual handling, that sort of thing. But I just think when you look at other industries that are similar to ours... So, you know, manufacturing of food, for example, it's a similar idea. But say if you go to a factory where they make bread, they need mass quantities of things like flour. There are not people wandering around with 25 kilo sacks of flour. They're not. That isn't They're really neat. not, no. Yeah. They're, they have come up with ways of automating those things. So that those jobs are open to anybody. And again, it's not that I want to take away from the essence of brewing and, and being within the, the ingredients and, and really get to know them. I just think that there's so many people out there, especially that, that I've spoken to, that want to get into the industry, but Either they're worried that they won't be able to physically do it, so just never apply, just don't get into Mm -hmm. it, or they get put off by the application process. So if you go away now and search for a brewer's role, I can guarantee you at least half of the jobs that you'll read, it will say on must be able to lift 25 kilos consecutively like and a lot of people will just think don't think I can do that I won't apply and it's like there is so much passion and knowledge within these people yet they are just brought down by this one phrase that says well because you're not a weightlifter sorry we don't want you And it infuriates me. And I just... I think if more breweries... just didn't write that bit... and just... tried to see who applied for those roles... and if the person that comes to that role... has everything that you want and is amazing... but for whatever reason is not going to be able to consecutively lift God knows what work with that person to find a solution instead of just immediately saying, no, we don't want you. Um, because ultimately if that person comes to your brewing, you find a solution. You haven't found a solution for that person. You found a solution for your whole brewery forever. So it's, you're investing in your company as a whole and the future of the people that work there. Um, So, yeah, if I I could change the industry in one way, it would be to remove physical barriers for people. Because I think we've made so much progress. I'm not saying it's perfect, but we've made a lot of progress in breaking down barriers as far as the language around brewing and especially sort of how women and other minority people are seen within brewing. So if we could now get to a point where we also break down the barriers that physically stop people like for me I talk to so many women I, I think there's a genuine belief that we need to encourage women into brewing but we don't. They are Out there, there are millions of them, so many women want to brew. Love the idea of it, but get stuck at the point where they think I won't be good enough you know so
1: terrible place to be in for the sake of 25 kilogram bags that's it for some reason an industry standard and as you say that's been overcome in other industries but not wholesale in brewing yeah exactly um, I heard you had an example of Wade sort of come up with ways to kind of help move around 25 kilogram sacks of grain and all that yeah
0: yeah so um this was actually in the pilot brewery at Fullers I'd struggled with the malt sacks when I was one of the brewing assistants but because it wasn't always my job I sort of just struggled through it each time it was my role and then it's like okay if you don't have to do that for a while but then when I was on the pilot kit not only was it always going to be my job and there was no silo so all of it was going to be sack malt and the um, mill was up some steps I was just just like, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is not safe. There is no way I can carry something that's at least half my size and, you know, comparative to my weight, like over a third of my own weight, up some steps safely and not fall over or, you know... So, as as small as that seemed as a problem compared to everything else, it was the one thing that I couldn't think how I was going to get around it on my own. Mm -hmm. But, thankfully, um, the project engineer, he just, like, could see things totally different to everybody else. And he just saw solutions for things. And so, one day, he... Came to him and he was like, right, this problem that you've got with the sack malt, explain it to me. And I was like, right. So, you're like, okay. So, if the sacks were to just sort of appear (laughs) above above the mill, would that be okay? But, yeah, if they would just magically appear, fine. And then, so, the next time we spoke, he said, yeah, I've got it. We're going to build you a winch. Wow. So, I was like... (laughs) Cool. Okay. So, yeah. And it was as simple as, um, it was just a steel bar that was like screwed into the floor that then had like an arm that went over the mill. Yeah. The winch came down to the floor. I just poked a hole in the bag. Put the winch hook through the hole in the bag, then went up the steps, and I had a little like button. So I just used to like press the button, like <laughs> lift the bag up,
1: yeah.
0: and then it was all connected to like a like a rope rubber. Um, and I would just like grab that, pull it along the rail to above the mill. Then so you didn't
1: just, even have to swing it or anything like that. It was no, all, no, yeah, yeah, just, just like, it just move know, along, did, along like, the ceiling. It wasn't yeah. a
0: curtain type of action, it, yeah. that motion. And um yeah, and then I just opened the bag with my knife while it's still dangling there, all the malt goes into the mill. Magic. Easy peasy. Yeah. That's it. Just yeah. amazing. So yeah. That I think once that problem had been solved there and I saw that it could be done, that was then that catalyst of like this can be
1: done yeah all all of these things can be approached and overcome I think it's again it's that example of um, just having different viewpoints and minds to solve things which again is why you want to encourage more people into brewing because imagine the things that we can achieve
0: well that's it yeah Um, and I'm sure there are people out there that probably think oh well that's all well and good in your airy fairy dreamland where money's no problem and you can have whatever you like And I understand that. I know that things cost money. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, to me, your staff should be your biggest investment. And if you're not willing to invest in things that make the job doable more easily for your staff, and if you're willing to be a brewery that has a high staff turnover because they burn out, because it's too physically difficult, well, I think you're just losing out because a high staff turnover never makes a great brewery. You never have the passion for the beer or the brand. So surely it's worth the investment in the things that make the job enjoyable and less physically difficult to do you know no, no brewer is ever going to go like oh I just want the whole thing to be completely automated well maybe, maybe some brewers do but I mean you know <laughs> most brewers will just will always want to be involved with the ingredients be able to touch it feel it smell it eat it yeah <laughs> get,
1: get stuck in there yeah, yeah I mean there's but, ways of doing it isn't it? yeah I mean you can still be involved but you take off the strain
0: exactly yeah, yeah.
1: I think here to all of that um, so I'm going to now turn to the subject of beer and okay. probably put you on the spot and ask you to name yeah. your favourite beers. But I'll let you okay. pick from Fuller's okay. and then from Siren. So what are your favourite oh, beers? Oh, yeah.
0: each of those. And
1: then maybe we can go to outside of those. Okay. Yeah, so okay. That's three beers you've got.
0: Um, so Fuller's beers, I would have to say 1845. Um. And it's for two key reasons. One reason is because, um, so I make the family Christmas cake every year um, with my grandma's old recipe book. And every year I eat some Christmas cake with 1845 because I just think the pairing is amazing, that those tastes just go together so well, especially on a cold day, you know, fire, fire. Really luscious Christmas cake. Really luscious beer. Amazing. Um, but also because it's bottle conditioned. So I love to save them over the years and then go back. And oh, how is that one tasting? Because sometimes you, you might taste an 1845 that's, say, five years old or so. And it's just transformed into something... you're just like wow this is amazing and it's just because it's conditioned for that bit longer um so that's a that's a super special beer for me um and then siren (laughs) is my favorite beer is something completely different
1: (laughs) for something else
0: (laughs) yeah Um, So it's a beer called Uncle Zester. You know know it, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So um, it has loads and loads and loads of honey in it. And it's sort of somewhere between a sour and a slightly sweet sort of Pale ale. Um, I've never tasted a beer like it. It is so unique. And the first time I had it, I'd only managed to get the one tin because I'd only just started. Um, and we recently remade it, and I was so excited. I actually brewed it, and I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God, I get to <laughs> brew it. This is amazing. Um, and so much honey goes into it. And it was actually really cool because Sean, like the head brewer himself, actually like helped me get all of the honey into the kettle. It wasn't like, you know, oh no, I'm too far up the chain for that. It was like, everybody get involved, you know, let's all get this honey in here. So it's a super special brew. And I think it's one that brings everybody together because everybody loves it. And I was so excited to share it with people. I was just like, you know, going to like, all my friends and family, Oh, try this beer and I haven't found one person yet that's gone, no, I don't really get it, don't like it. Everybody's like, wow. I think
1: there's something for everyone in it. Like, it's, yeah. It might not be what you're expecting to, yeah. to taste or anything like that, but yeah, it's a, a boulder oh, of a beer.
0: It is, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, that's my current favourite. Then my f- favourite beer is, annoyingly, a beer that I can't pronounce the name of. (laughs) So, um, in my terrible English way of saying it, it's called Duchess de Bourgogne. Well, I'm probably pronouncing it really, really badly. It's a Belgian beer, um, and... It's a Flemish red. Cool oh, nice. So um, it's a sort of sour-sweet type of taste. It was my first entry beer into that style, and I think the sort of vintage Rhonebacks have a very similar taste, mm. but because Duchess was my first almost, like, you know, gateway drink.
1: Yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I just, it just holds that special place in my heart, and it's something that every time I go to Belgium, I go and get like the big bottles of it, it and yeah. Yeah, yeah, bring it home with me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um it's the beer that people get me for Christmas and my birthday, and you know, and I'll never be disappointed. Yeah.
1: You can never have too many of those. Yeah, I think. No. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I just think it's such a, a complex and yet. Simple, I, I don't know how those two things go together. How can it be complex and simple at the same time? But it's the it's the fact that it's it's never different. It's always how you're expecting it to be, just delicious. But the taste is so different as you first taste it, as to when you know it's in your mouth, and then when you swallow it, and and the smells and. It, oh, I'm just in a whole different world. like...
1: mm. (laughs) Sort of into the territory of cheese at that point, isn't it? It's that sort of thing, isn't it? And it changes over time when it heats up and when your mouth's accustomed with it and all that sort of stuff. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. fantastic beer. Very good. And how about uh, your favourite place to enjoy a beer?
0: I I don't necessarily have a favourite place to drink beer. I can only go off where do I have the most memories of enjoying drinking beer yeah. um, I'd, and if it was that I'd say Belgium so me and my husband go to Belgium every year um, we're going on Friday Excellent. Um, so and it's something that we'll either do at Christmas so we'll go to the Christmas markets that kind of thing or we will do when it's his birthday so we always not always we did want to go in summer but it was really hot um, we almost always go in the winter because um, it's just such a lovely place and we will always try to go somewhere different and explore what are the breweries that are here, try and go on brewery tours, try all their different beers, find the local bottle shop find the local beer nerd that can tell you like about their, the beers that they've got and and then basically end up with far too many beers in the boot of the car and trying to hide them from customs and stuff. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's <a case>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's your yeah.
1: fermenter again with a ski jacket.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <That's> yeah. <right. laughs> um, yeah, and we take them home with us and we've got this whole um, beer. Unit in the garage um, where we keep all of these beers and, you know, they come out for special occasions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, And I think I just have so many happy memories. Um, We got engaged in Belgium. Um, Our first holiday abroad was Belgium. When we first met, the fact that we both liked going to Belgium and drinking Belgian beers was one of the things that bonded us together. So... Although I don't have one specific place, I'd say that's where a lot of my happiest beery memories. Lovely, are. That's yeah. very nice. <laughs>
1: I'm afraid we're coming to the end of this at the moment. But um, where can people follow you and stay up to date with all things Haley if they want to?
0: Um, so I'm on Twitter. So that is at Siren CB Haley. So like Siren Craft Brew Haley. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, I think with the same handle. I think that's at siren CB Hill.
1: We can check that. I can pop yeah. the show notes yeah. as well for that.
0: I think that's about it. I don't have any of the sort of um, super cool things. I don't have like you know TikTok or I don't know what those things are. Well,
1: yeah. I <laughs> yeah. do. But, but, yeah, I feel really out of my depth. Yeah. Like
0: that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it took me ages to get Instagram. Yeah. I just had like Twitter for ages and often I end up with social media because somebody else has started like trying to tag me in photographs or something oh, yeah, yeah uh, you don't have an account you know there's photos of you <laughs> on this thing. Oh, yeah so then yeah, yeah. Then I end up yeah, with yeah. accounts um, but yeah they can find me there um, or you know come and visit the brewery
1: always visit the best the thing to do yeah.
0: yeah yeah come and have a few beers get on a brewery tour um, email us come and visit
1: fantastic
0: we, yeah we uh, we like visitors so it's
1: normally yeah. on a Saturday isn't it for Siren
0: yeah yeah tours on the Saturday but yeah the tap yards open most days yeah. um, and you'll often find a brewer in there after their shift so yeah them up for some knowledge
1: <laughs> excellent well thank you very much uh, a huge thanks for joining us today on what's got to be a very big day now
0: <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> um, but yeah thank you very much
0: no problem
1: cheers so thank you very much for listening and i hope you can join me on the next one and this is the part where i ask for your help if you haven't done so already please subscribe to the podcast leave a review or rating or share it with others This really helps us out and helps other people find the podcast, particularly as we're starting out. And you can follow us on social media. Search for We Are Beer People, all one word. You can also email us at wearebeerpeoplepod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Share your thoughts. And if you have any recommendations for beer people you'd like to hear from. And until next time, don't forget, you, me, us, them, we are all beer people.